Vansnet, Chief of Staff for the Law School. We want to welcome everybody here, uh, students, uh, looks like the rugby team is well represented, which is a uh, I see some awesome uh, faculty, in particular uh, Professor Mike Hunter, it's good to have Professor Hunter here, and uh, we'll get Mike Hunter. Loyal years 
on the law school staff and who, at the young age of 102, decided that she could make it here today with her son, the Honorable Anthony Carbonello. I'm privileged and I'm honored to introduce Mrs. Jenny Carbonello. Why don't we have Jenny stand up? Please, let me get through the list 
and then we can and then we can give them all a rousing round of applause. First, Frank Willie, class of 1978, my teammate, Albany Law rugby player, world-class businessman, Albany Law School major philanthropist and benefactor, and the principal donor to this program. Next, and he's not here, and I really want to get on his case a little bit, Jane Taggart, class of 1984, my teammate, Albany Law rugby player, former chair of the Board of Trustees, Albany Law School philanthropist and benefactor par excellence, a graduate of the Rugby House, where I lived with a couple of my roommates right over there at 579 Providence Street, lifelong friend, and as I read in the recent Super Lawyers magazine, the Beyonce of the Capital District legal world. <laughs> Next, to both David Jaden, major gifts officer at Albany Law School, for his gentle guidance and encouragement for three years and for his advocacy inside the law school for this program, and particularly to the fellow that was just up here, Dr. Jeffrey Shantz, Ph.D., the Chief of Institutional Development here at Albany Law School, by helping me in ways I probably don't know to follow through with my dream of honoring Dad without both of whom, it's likely I would not be standing here today. Next, and I see him, Jeff Siebert, one of our greeters today, the Albany Law School alumni and special events coordinator and his staff, who began helping me when this program began. Then he became my point of contact, and he has quarterbacked this event today by arranging all of the details, including notices, announcements, sending emails, scheduling, logistics, creating, printing, sending, dialoguing, arranging, and perhaps toughest of all, working with me, <laughs> culminating in this one-of-a-kind celebration. Next. Professor William Watkins, who passed away 36 years ago. Many of you here can testify he was a genius intellect, master teacher, longtime chair of the admissions committee, founder of the Albany Law Rugby Club, and for whom an Albany Law Scholarship is named. Next, Professor John Welsh, Albany Law class. 1955, appointed acting dean of Albany Law School three different times, longtime member of the admissions committee, tough as nails, recipient of the Board of Trustees gold medal, 50 years at Albany Law School as a student, as a professor, and dean, good friend and executor of Professor Watkins Estate, now in his 90s, 
living near his alma mater of Notre Dame University out near South Bend, Indiana, and for whom an Albany Law Scholarship is named. Next, former registrar, Ms. Helen Wilkinson, and her colleague, Mrs. Jenny Carpinello, who among other things, were responsible for processing and signing the checks for all of the student maintenance workers. Ms. Wilkinson, for whom the Memorial Student <coughs> Assistant Fund is named, and Jenny Carpinello, being called by the Times Union, the mom of Albany Law School. Next, the Honorable Christopher Quinn of Nassau County, Long Island, class of 1980, the first Albany Law student that I ever drank beer with. <laughs> My classmate, workmate, roommate, and teammate who introduced me to John DiMatteo 45 years ago in 1977. Judge Quinn, hoping to keep the cat calls from the audience to a minimum. Next, to my Albany Law roommates, and I have four of them, and two of them are there today, and also my teammates, all of whom were my classmates, maintenance crew workmates, and my best friends, including the one and only Patrick J. Maloney, here today. To all of the donors of this program, big and small, the current rugby club members and men and women, and they're over here. And finally, and most importantly for today, to John P. DeMatteo, who we knew simply as Dad, for whom the Albany Law Yearbook was dedicated in 1983 and in 1988, citing him as one of the foundations of Albany Law School. Could we take a moment now to recognize all these people with a grateful, resounding round of applause. Engineer Evan Love, 
of Niskayuna. Captain Love created and designed the military honor shadow box display that we all saw on the table as we walked in today as a gift to the DiMatteo family. He is sitting with his high school swim team co-captain, my brother Robert Poulos. Please, both of you and any other veterans in this audience, please stand and be recognized. Around the corner, 
And there he was, not always for not always with praise for my work. <laughs> for instance, he had a lot of fun giving me, not Quinn, but me, a hard time with remarks such as, where did you learn to mop? <laughs> In the Navy? You're a terrible worker. I don't know why I hired you. I think I'm going to fire you. And fire me, he did. Four or five times my first year. Twice I thought he was serious. The first time, of course. And then there was the aftermath of the 1978 Saturday night St. Pat's party right here in the gym, where Mr. Quinn and myself set up a social corner and introduced many people to a new type of refreshment called Wapatula, made with moonshine and mixed up in one of the school's 33-gallon garbage cans on wheels. <laughs> Politely stated, there were several locations in this school that were an after-party mess. Unfortunately, Quinn and I were both no-shows for the cleanup that began just hours early Sunday morning. Our penance to Dad for reinstatement included time in what we knew as the main entrance vestibule down those stairs by cleaning every little window. And there were hundreds of them. Both sides. No streaks. <laughs> and Dad would come Come, come around every little while and he would look at the windows and then he'd go like that and say, there's a streak on that window. <laughs> and of course the upperclassmen had a lot of fun with us that day as well with a lot of commentary passing by. So I'm not certain how the maintenance crew here actually came into being. From what I've been able to piece together, at some point the law school came up with the idea of offering financial aid to students while inviting them to serve on the student maintenance crew. Certainly the concept of a work-study program is not unique in academia. The Albany Law School maintenance crew work-study program, now that was unique. John Matteo was given the responsibility of supervising this select portion of the student body. I believe Dad had faculty advisors to assist him with selecting the members of the crew. I believe those advisors included Professor Watkins and Professor Walsh, both of whom, not coincidentally, were on the admissions committee. And along the way, they were joined by a third party who's now in his 49th year of teaching here, Professor Mike Hutter, right over there. Behind the scenes role 
was much more powerful than most people knew. Gaining appointment to the maintenance crew was also somewhat of a mystery. Seemingly, there were some legacy positions passed down from graduating seniors to younger students. A recommendation from Dad usually started the process, and as far as I knew, the recommendation needed the approval of, or at least the acquiescence of, Miss Wilkinson. Professor Watkins and Welsh had, the, had a handle on the history of each student and had ready access to the student body records. I believe Professor Watkins conferred regularly with that with respect to the maintenance crew composition and made personnel suggestions. Now where these meetings were held and when these meetings were held, I never had a clue. Perhaps not surprisingly, a good part of the maintenance crew, at least in our time, was comprised of law school rugby players. But not all. Many students like the very famous Richard Parsons have testified publicly that they mopped the floors here at the law school. And of course, there were other maintenance duties other than the dirty work of sweeping and mopping. For instance, dusting the stacks, the shelves in the library with a feather duster, watching the parking lot for violators, and the cake of cake jobs, wiping down the water fountains. Is anyone surprised that our man Jim Hacker had the water fountain job? The cleanup crews began their happy work either at 7 in the morning, Monday through Friday, or 11 o'clock at night, Sunday through Thursday. On Friday night, the nighttime guys began at 7 o'clock after the school happy hour, which was held weekly in the courtyard, or in the East Wing, the weather never got the best of us, and ran from 3 in the afternoon until 7 in the evening, excluding the cake eaters, the guys with the feather dusters like my teammate Todd Weber from the class of 1978, and his classmate, another water fountain man, Gene DeSantis, who was Chris Quinn's maintenance crew sponsor, and is here with us today, the workers on the morning crew and the evening crew actually showed up to work about 50 minutes. And we were paid for two hours of time. Like I said, it was work study. There was a certain amount of pride each student had being a member of the crew. Some of us referred to our maintenance crew appointments as DeMatteo scholarships. We knew the place would not look good without us. That pride was instilled in us by John DiMatteo, our boss. He set the example. It required a measure of discipline as a law student to show up every day to clean the school, and it engendered a good deal of camaraderie. We had some fun as well. That camaraderie and that esprit de corps was fostered by John DiMatteo, who simply referred to himself as Dad. The sobriquet of Dad was very familiar 
as used in the You know who's watching you do your work today? Your dear old dad. <laughs> Familiar questions arose between maintenance crew members, and they went something like this when the need arose. Where's dad? What did dad say? Does dad know what happened? John DiMaggio did it all in this place. Of course, he was the custodian. He had the custody of this building and the custody of its grounds. In truth, he had the custody of us all. Our safety and welfare in this building. He knew the sinks, the showers, the lockers, the library, the lounges, the classrooms, the cafeteria, the stairs, the doors, the dumpsters, and the driveways. He had a ring of what seemed to be 50 keys on his belt. I had no clue where all those keys fit, but John did. He knew every bolt, every lock, and every corner of this place. Every faucet, every switch, and every dial. He knew every office and every faculty member. He was always working, and he was always on call. When he sat down for a break in the cafeteria, many times to play a silly little game of liar's poker with the guys in the cafeteria and drank his favorite grape soda for a quarter out of the vending machine, nobody thought twice about it. Nobody made him punch a time clock when I was here. You didn't have to. He was always here. He was always available. He was always working. He was the master of his domain. When something went wrong, it didn't matter if it was the dean, the faculty, the staff, the students, everybody looked at him first for the solution. He was the go-to guy. I still hear the phrases in my head. Where's John? We need to speak with John. Uh-oh, we got a problem. Where's John? It also took a special type of person to supervise the ride herd on the maintenance crew. As students and as rugby players, we were smart and we were tough. Nobody to fool around with on the rugby field. We had what I call now an enhanced sense of humor. Dad put up with all of our pranks, jokes, no-shows, and excuses. And we were not afraid to socialize. Although always in good fun, sometimes, well, it could get a little, a little loud and a little boisterous. Like when we had a motorcycle chopper riding around the inside of this gym during a Halloween party. Dad saw us coming through the cafeteria with that thing, and he said simply, you guys are going to get in trouble. <laughs> but you know what? We never did get in trouble. And in truth, I think Dad enjoyed us year after year after year. But he never admitted while we were here. John DiMaggio was a confidant and friend to those in need. That was true for everyone. Dad was the first call when the deans or the faculty needed something. Whether it was to 
unlock a door, get some supplies, give a ride, pick somebody up at the airport, or simply to have a cup of coffee and get some advice, so many people turned to John DiMatteo. This was a role he played without recognition or fanfare. The man was discreet. He would not talk about what he saw, and he would not talk about what he did for anyone. But everyone knew John DiMatteo was the man. Although as students we thought we were under so much stress and we were having such a terrible, difficult time in law school, Dad knew better. He'd seen the worst, and he survived the worst. He knew what hell looked like. In his own way, he tried to show us, show us all the way with camaraderie, humor, leadership, and joy to be, the joy of life. In many ways, he was a little bit like Santa Claus, because just when you thought that you were having a big problem, many times he would come by with a kind word, with some kind of a gesture, a cup of coffee, a quarter, or a suggestion, or maybe even a solution to whatever issue and problem that you thought you were having. Essentially, John DiMatteo was a version of what we would now call the Student Affairs and Wellness Departments well before they came into existence here. John DiMatteo was a one-of-a-kind icon here at Albany Law School. He selflessly took care of thousands of people over the years, and he never sought the limelight. There are several hundred maintenance crew alumni that could testify about their time with Dad, as he was the lifeline of support for so many. He was so humble, and he would never take credit for, or try to explain to you, the Greenhorn student, what he was doing for you. Helen Wilkinson knew, Professor Watkins knew, Professor Welsh knew, and John DiMatteo knew. They knew that Dad's family sacrificed for his service to this school. They knew that he was loyal, dutiful, durable, trustworthy, hardworking, and never quit. Those were the qualities of John DiMatteo. And now, you know. That's why we're here today. As everyone has gone on and become who we are and gone on with our careers, it was John DiMatteo that kept this place going, kept the lights on, kept the place clean. And were it not for him, all of our lives would be different. Ms. Wilkinson has the Emergency Scholarship Fund so appropriately named for her. Professor Watkins has a memorial scholarship Professor Welsh has a scholarship in his honor, and now their trusted friend, John DiMatteo, the beating heart of this law school, now has a memorial scholarship in his name. As long as Albany Law School exists, 
this scholarship will ensure his legacy. I invite you to join me in celebrating this momentous occasion to honor the life of soldier and supervisor John DiMatteo with the commencement of the John P. DiMatteo Memorial Scholarship Program. Professor Watkins, Professor Welch, Professor Hunter, uh, and Helen Wilkinson. I can say to you folks over there, I got into law school probably because of Professor Watkins, because I was a college athlete. I got a job on the crew because Gene recruited me to play basketball, I think. <laughs> and I had that job at basketball before I even stepped foot on the campus. But <clears throat> those individuals shaped all of us, I believe, shaped our lives. And uh, I personally would probably would have graduated if it hadn't been for them uh, and my uh, roommates here. Did we cause some issues and problems? Yes, we did. Um, Bill put out certain things about working 40 minutes and getting paid for two hours. When he put it out the first time, I said, Bill, that's, you know, theft of services. So please, you know, be careful about what you're putting out to everybody. And he says, oh, statute of limitations is long gone. <laughs> I can safely say that the last I have a pic picture with Bill and uh, John in uh, the kitchen at your house, John, and uh, to his last days, the last time I saw him in the kitchen, he was still trying to cheat me out of uh, Liar's Poker money, you know, with the dollars. So the best thing happened to me getting here was John DiMatteo. I do have one objection to something that uh, Dr. Shanson said. I don't think there's anyone in this room that knows Bill Poulos would ever be used the word grace. So he said grace and skill, maybe some skill, but absolutely no grace. <laughs>
I called John. He came down, put up the thousand bucks, and got me out. So on the way back, he's not saying anything to me. He's just, you know, I'm worried. You know, it's a pretty bad experience, actually. And the bar committee didn't see the humor in it either, I might add, but that's a different <laughs> topic for another day. Right? So I'm coming back, doesn't say anything to me. Nothing. Just go back. Comes up, couldn't be nicer. Next morning, I get to go to work, and he says, Kid, come here. You're a moron. <laughs> right? So now, it's graduation day. I bring my father, my mother, my two sisters over. And I say, this is John DiMatteo. He's the guy who got me out of jail. He got me through law school. My father and him start talking. He turns to my father and says, you know, the kid's a moron. <laughs> my father loved him. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just an ordinary attorney. This is the first time I get to talk after two judges and have the last word. Um, I've learned two things knowing Buckley for 42 years, living with him for a couple of years. One, you never try to tell more stories than Buck. And two, you never ever challenge his history of what happened here at Albany Law. I do want to reiterate two things that uh, has previously been mentioned. John was scary. I mean, he was like omnipotent. I, I don't know that they had video surveillance. But if you screwed up at midnight, 6 o'clock the next morning, he knew exactly what happened, exactly what you did, and exactly how it had to be fixed, which always happened. And the, uh, the other thing is the motorcycle story. Um, if any of you have ever had any interactions with any rugby team at any level, herding kittens is not, it's like herding wild cats. I mean, they, trying to get control of these people is almost impossible, and John did it with grace, with humor, with a firm hand from time to time. But picture this, the, the, motor, the, the rugby team decided to come to the Halloween party as a motorcycle group, and all I remember is we had a real motorcycle, and we are carrying it up the stairs, and John walks around the corner, and if any of you know John, all he did was... <laughs> turned around and walked away. Um, the other thing I will reiterate is a lot of us didn't like law school. A lot of the people on the rugby team didn't like law school. And a lot of the people on the maintenance crew didn't like law school. And a lot of us literally would not have made it through if it wasn't for the friendship and the camaraderie that we developed through those things. Thank you.
we'll get along well. And nobody meant it. And then my dad was up a couple years later, and John saw him, and he came over and said, do you mind if I talk to dad? I said, sure, not a problem. So about a half hour later, my father comes back, and anyway, this is John. John is the most earnest man, most modest man. And I said, he said, you know, this man survived, chosen. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, my dad was flying Corsairs, the Marines were flying support of the Army remnants. And John had the battalion, I think he was a battalion of about 500 men. There were five Army men left. They had come down chosen. And John fought his way through. He was such a battler that Luke Chesney Cole, the most decorated Marine in Marine Corps history, went up to John and said, I want to give you a battlefield promotion. And John said, I'm not in the Marines. And Chesney said, I don't give a damn. John was amazing. Four bronze stars. And you never knew it. I never knew it. The, the fact that he survived is the measure of the man. And I think that's why part of the, why he was so devoted to this law school. So devoted to the students. So devoted to the faculty, trustees. It was one big family. And I think John realized when he survived chosen, he had a mission. And that mission was to serve others. And I think it's absolutely spectacular, Bill, what you've done to keep his memory alive. And I think it will stay forever. Thank, Thank you, Professor. The blessing of this scholarship from the woman that signed it into existence, one of the great leaders in Albany Law School's history, the President and Dean, Alicia Woulette. Hard work and dedication. 
still in so many of you will be part of our school. Of course, minus the actual physical labor. We are not going to make the scholarship recipients clean the water fountains. We don't do that anymore. Some things have changed. Don't, don't worry, the water fountains was not too tough. <laughs> for him in December 
1989, thereby memorializing his historic connection to one of the school's most utilized and valued spaces. And whereas John P. DiMatteo supervised the Albany Law School DiMatteo Scholars, a group of students comprised of rugby players as well as 2L and 3L students that work to maintain their proud alma mater by wiping water fountains, sweeping and mopping floors, cleaning windows, fixing broken items, being parking lot attendants, and most of all, creating that bond that will never be forgotten. And whereas, over the years, the silver K of Dad was coined because of John's demand for his crew's respect in their work, installing remarkable loyalty and respect by serving as a hardworking role model, often showing up at odd hours without notice to be sure this building was maintained and the workers were hard at work. And whereas, John P. DiMatteo went the extra mile for all the people of Albany Law School, especially providing hundreds of hours of support for faculty and staff, helping them with their work and personal needs to be sure this community was built on friendships, loyalty, and honor. And whereas the friendship of Professor William the Watt Watkins Ms. Helen Wilkinson and Mrs. Jenny Carpinello, together with John P. DiMatteo, provided exceptional experiences helping students to succeed at Albany Law School and become the remarkable individuals they are today. And whereas John P. DiMatteo was a seven-year veteran of the United States Army who earned a Bronze Service Star after serving in the Korean War, where he was tracked as one of the frozen chosen, thereafter saving lives in combat, becoming a war hero, decorated for his bravery and valor. And whereas John P. DiMatteo was a proud husband and a proud father, very loyal, very protective, very proud of his family, especially his wife Bernie and his two sons, Evan and John Jr., incorporating them as part of the Albany Law School history. And whereas, and I didn't write this paragraph, in his memory, Bill Poulos, class of 1980, through his unprecedented respect for John P. DiMatteo, established in the year 2021, through personal funds and raised funds from alumni and friends, a new scholarship in his honor named the John DiMatteo Memorial Scholarship awarded yearly to a male or female rugby player and or a male or female United States Armed Forces veteran. And we have, going off book for a minute, the first recipient of the DiMatteo Scholarship. Stand up. Hey, Albany Law School hereby memorializes 
John P. DiMatteo as a shining example of service to our community. That through this remarkable scholarship, we once again express our sincere gratitude to this beloved man for bonding decades of alumni and friends with amazing memories, thereby creating a part of the Albany Law School family culture that remains a staple of this community supporting this event today. And so now, at this time, I'd like to invite up Dean Ouellette and Chair Trace and the DiMatteo family. Let's get this resolution front and center and let's get a couple of pictures and then afterwards we're going to get a picture of the maintenance crew and then select others. Come on John, get up here.